Hello everyone, I am Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 297 of Weekly Poker Hand. I hope you're having a great week. If you have not already, head over to my training site, pokercoaching.com. There we have loads of educational quizzes, training videos, live webinars, classes, challenges, all sorts of stuff there to help you become the best poker player you can be with content made by myself. We have um, World Poker Tour champion Jonathan Jaffe making lots of content. We have uh, Michael Acevedo, the GTO expert of poker there. We have Faraz Jaka, the maximally exploitative player. So um, check it out. It's all there at pokercoaching.com for you. Here we're playing 5, 10, 25, no limit at Best Bet Jacksonville. We have Zach opening it up with the Ace-9 of Hearts, which is perfectly fine. And then George, if you remember George from last week's episode, he enjoys bluffing. And well, he's at it again. Zach raises to 100. George makes it $500 out of his 13,000 effective stack with 5-2 offsuit. Last time he tried Jack-5 offsuit, now he has the 5-2 offsuit. Maybe he just bluffs anytime he has a 5. Now around to Ben in the big blind with $5,500. 200 big blinds. So this is a spot where normally you would probably want to just fold. In a normal scenario, in a normal world, when early position raises and then another early position player three bets, you should be against two very strong ranges. However, that's not the world we're living in today at Best Bet Jacksonville. Now we're against one normal range from Zach and then one very potentially loose range from George. Now, Maybe he learned his lesson from before and is only going to be value betting against Zach, but clearly that's not the case. So what should Ben do? Should Ben be happy getting all of his money in here with the pocket tens? I think the answer is just yes. It's marginal. You don't love it. It's not like you're thinking you're printing all the money by getting it all in for 200 big blinds here with the pocket tens, but it's probably just good enough. So in this scenario, I would go ahead and four bet and then just not fold. So the question is, what's the right four bet size? How... In this scenario, I'm asking myself, how do I induce George to jam all in with all of his garbage? And there's also a world where you 4-bet to, let's say, 1,400. Zach goes all in, or 5-bets, and then George goes all in. At that point, you can actually fold. Whereas I think if you make it bigger, like say make it 1,800 or 2,200, then you won't induce bluffs from George. You won't get sporadic calls from random garbage like 5-2 offsuit if you make it 2,200. And if you put in 2200, you just can't fold if it does go um, five bet, six bet or whatever, right? Because you're getting such good a pot odds. So this is a situation where I think a smaller three bet is definitely the ideal strategy. I'd probably go something like 1400 because I think for 900 more, George is going to be highly inclined to call with all sorts of marginal junk. And um, you do avoid that weird five bet, six bet scenario where you're against two just very strong ranges. So that's what I would do in this scenario. Ben is lining up a re-raise. Looks like he's going 1,800 or so. I think that's probably a little bit big because I don't think it gives the illusion of fold equity before the flop, right? It makes it to where Ben, it makes it where George is just never going to be bluffing it all in. I think he's way more inclined to either call or fold now, you know, which is fine, but you definitely don't mind if he randomly wants to rip it in with ace four offsuit or something like that. Anyway, George has the five two offsuit. We have very easy fold now. Look, I'm all for randomly getting out of line and 3-betting wide, but when you 3-bet wide and get 4-bet, you need to fold the 5-2 offsuit. He doesn't, though. And now, flop comes. 8-6-3-2 clubs. This is a cool spot because 
Ben is very happy here. Ben knows he's stacking off every time. He has one pot size bet remaining in his stack. He's not folding. So the question is, how do you get George to put in his money? I think what a lot of people do very wrong here is they will just jam it all in, thinking, oh, I want to protect against the draws, or I don't know what they're thinking when they jam all in, but I think jamming all in for a pot size bet here is a very, very big mistake. And it's a mistake a lot of people make. I mean, very often in small stakes games, you'll see someone three bet or four bet aces and then just rip it all in for a huge amount on the flop. And that allows George to easily fold. But you really want George in the pot, right? Because whatever he has, he's probably not getting in great shape. And if he does happen to have a slow played aces or six three, well, you're going to lose and that's okay. So I think the way you induce bluffs here is either by checking or betting tiny. And I think I usually prefer the small bet line against players who are very loose, very splashy, who also are not afraid to raise. I mean, we just saw him raise in the previous episode with nothing against a bet. Obviously, it was a different spot, but it's still relevant. So here, I think I would bet something like $1,000. Because if you start to go bigger than 1000 it's going to be obvious to George that you're not going to fold to a jam, right? Like, say you bet 2000 out of your 3700 sack. Are you really folding for 1700 more? No. So betting small is nice because... It will induce raises sometimes. It's going to get called still by a lot of stuff because when you bet 1,000 into 3,700, your opponent should call it a lot of stuff. And it makes it to where your opponent's going to feel very priced in on the turn. So next question is, is checking better? Well, if you think you can check and George will just jam it all in with everything, well, then clearly checking's great, right? So I definitely think you either want to check or bet small. I would lean towards betting small here. I'm always a little bit... Um, concerned with betting really tiny, like 600. I think 600 would be really sweet, by the way. The problem is I'm not exactly sure what would happen against that. That may send off warning bells in George's mind. Um, so I, I think a bet of 1,000 still looks like a legitimate bet. It still has the illusion to fold equity because you still have 2,700 behind. And it also does price out George from calling with random gut shots, but he still will, right? So I think I like a small bet, but checking certainly has merit. And Ben does check, and George just snap checks behind, which is a disaster, right? This is the hand, this type of hand is the, are the ones you really want betting, which in this scenario, clearly betting from Ben would have worked out way better because either you protect your hand from the random four outs or you induce a jam, which is also fine, or a call, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, so I think, I think a small bet in this scenario would be way better. Also, don't forget, George could just have like Queen Jack or something that has six outs. You don't really want the six outs to see the turn for free. So turn is another three, which is a beautiful card for Ben with his overpair. He has, again, he's never folding. So now the question is, again, how do you get a bluff to go in this pot? And I think, again, the right play is to probably bet small. Now I would be even more inclined to use a tiny bet. Whenever, I mean, this is not an odd scenario, but whenever odd, odd things happen, you can get away with slightly more fancy plays. Look, if you all know me, I am adamantly against fancy play syndrome, but this is one of the spots where I do think it makes sense to use a tiny bet with your whole range. Because if you have like ace-queen here, you can potentially value better for 600 bucks, right? You're gonna get called by lots of overpairs, you're gonna get protection, and that's fine. So in this scenario, assuming Ben does actually have a range that's something like, I don't know, nines are better, ace-jack and better, you can bet small with all of that and extract value. So I think I prefer a small bet at this point, but checking is also fine if it'll induce a bluff. So now, should George bluff here? I mean, <laughs> this is always tough to analyze because from like a GTO point of view, obviously George should not have the 5-2 offsuit, which means all these low junky combinations don't exist. So given all the low junky combinations don't exist, certainly he does have 
the ability to bluff. However, this is a situation where because the opponents know George enjoys bluffing, George should not be bluffing. If your opponents know your ranges are way too wide and they're competent, right? Seems like uh, Ben's competent here. You just need to be bluffing way less often. But it seems like George is playing into exactly what they want him to do. They want him to bluff. We saw the previous hand where the top pair no kicker called down no problem for 200-something big blinds. Here we have a similar scenario where pocket tens is going to end up getting it all in for 200 big blinds um, relatively easily if any money, if, if uh, George does put a bet in. So George now bets 1,800. Half of Ben's stack. That's an interesting size. So if I was in George's shoes and I wanted to bet, I would probably go the route of betting like 600 on the turn to get called by all the ace high type hands. And then I would jam the river to try to get all the ace high hands to fold. Here, he makes a rather bizarre bet of 1,800 because now the ace highs are still not going to fold, but they may actually fold a river bet. And all the overpairs are still going to call. So I really don't like this bet size. I think a much better sizing would either be all in, which may get ace highs to fold, probably won't, or something like 600 and then all in on the river. I think that's probably the line that's going to get the most folds from Ben's whole range. Um, way better than 1,800 and then 1,800 more. Way better than 1,800 give up and way better than all in immediately. So you always want to ask, how do I get two streets of fold equity? And if it's possible, that's usually the line you want to take. And if you can keep the river range as wide as possible, you'll get more river folds. So you're betting 600 or 700 now on the turn, knowing you're going to get called every time. And then you're jamming the river thinking you're going to fold out like half your opponent's range, which is a lot. So anyway, he does bet 1,800 and gets called. Oh, I guess should Ben raise. For 1,800 more, I actually do think jamming is viable at this point because whatever George has, has some equity. And I, like, I don't think George should ever be bluffing on the river for 1,800 more. It seems ridiculous to bet 1,800 into a 7,300 pot. I think you're just going to get called every single time. And if you're getting called every single time, then obviously you shouldn't bluff. So if he's not going to bluff the river, we should go ahead and jam the 10s immediately to protect against the various draws. Like right here, you see George wins this pot, what, an 11th of the time? You want to give him the pot an 11th of the time for free, or would you rather just rip it all in? I think I'd rather just rip it all in, assuming he's not going to bluff the river. Now, George loves bluffing, so I'm not going to say that he's never going to bluff the river. But when the stack-to-pot ratio is set up such that you only have whatever it is, 20%, 25% pot on the river, I think you're going to see a lot of players give up even when they do have a hand with no showdown value. So uh, Ben does check the river. He's doing everything he can to get George to bluff. George's giving it some thought. River's a seven, by the way. Eight, six, three, three, seven. Flush draw missed. I mean, what are you going to do? If you had the nut low here, you probably should bluff from a GTO point of view, but... You're going to get called every time. This is a tough spot for George because his opponents are obviously setting him up to bluff too often. So what I would suggest George do is tighten up his preflop ranges a lot, not a ton, but some, and then start value betting very thin. And that's going to get called, hero called a lot. Once you run two unsuccessful bluffs like this, your opponents are just going to start calling you every single time. It does go check, check on the river though. George realizes he has no fold equity and Ben wins a nice pot. So that's going to be it for today's episode of Weekly Poker Hand. I want to thank you for watching today. If you want to learn more about exploitative strategies to crush your opponents, no matter what they're doing wrong, check out my training site, pokercoaching.com. There we have content from two of the best exploitative players in the world. I personally pick them to teach me by making content for all of you. We have Faraz Jaka and Jonathan Jaffe. If you've ever played with either of them, 
They crush people in, in the most bizarre ways. And I love it. It's exciting. It's fun. Poker's fun when you're out there exploitating whatever your opponents do wrong. So anyway, check that out at pokercoaching.com. Good luck in your games. Have fun. Thanks again for watching. And I will talk to you next week.